Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome to Adventure, Dylan here. And on today's podcast, I have Travis Deverell, aka Shirtaloon. Uh, he started to discover that writing an internet story about an interdimensional kung fu wizard had somehow become a marketable skill when he accidentally found himself to be a successful author. He's now quietly getting on with it while hoping that no one notices the entire thing is ridiculous. Under the pen name Shirtaloon, he is releasing several books in the ongoing He Who Fights With Monsters series. And so without any delay, I'd like to welcome Travis. Hey, welcome, hey, brother. Uh, doing great, man. I am so excited to have you on the podcast, man. I, uh, you're one of my bedtime books. You know those like books that you listen as you fall asleep and you just kind of let it quietly go in your subconscious. Yeah, uh, I, I absolutely love it. So, uh, great job on the series, and uh, and and great job on on continuing to kick out the content, man. You uh, you have a unique knack of somehow continuing to. Uh, produce content online with this written web series and yeah. um I, i'd love to like first find out just a bit about like how did you accidentally stumble into writing about an interdimensional kung fu wizard uh okay so um uh, i went back to university mm. um so in my mid-30s and yeah. um because uh, you know i was just going through a series of dead-end jobs Mm -hmm. and um you know I'd already, or i always had a passion for writing so i went back to university you know did a lot of creative writing stuff uh, some media studies and um and i got really caught up in that so i ended up uh starting on some postgraduate work mm -hmm. and um while doing that uh you kind of realized that not a huge fan of doing research and i am a big fan of writing ridiculous stories on the internet um and yeah just had a revelation that no i really am not happy um you know writing this research paper about mm. um cross-generational masculinities in a post-colonial australia and um i really wanted to write a story about a guy with magic kung fu powers uh, so i sat down and and so started writing that and yeah. um and i just started putting it up on the internet for free um and you know i'd always hoped that i'd be able to you know make a little money off it um then i kind of made a lot of money off it <laughs> um which yeah worked out very nicely yeah um just never expected the kind of success that i ended up having it's a great book series i mean someone who's like i eat like literal rpg books for breakfast lunch and dinner kind of thing and um i just somehow stumbled across it um on audible and when i did i was like wow i mean you have there's some very good writing in there and that i can i can cross section that with not only on the social level but on the spiritual level on the world building levels uh, the the magic like there's a lot of different areas in it that is very well flushed out how did you get so good at writing what it, like was there anything that like really kind of allowed you to kind of find your rhythm and find your your pace to become uh um to make such a well-rounded book um i don't think there's any 
big secret to getting better at writing other than, you know, lots of reading and lots of writing. <laughs> you know, it's like anything else. You just, you get better at it. Like I did a lot, um, cause I wrote this coming out of university and one of the great things about, um, working with sort of large writing groups, um, that I had the chance to, while I was there, um, is that you can just write a short story and give it to 30 people. And then 30 people will give you like a huge stack of um, sort of edited, um, you know, heavily noted manuscripts. And that is fantastic for um, improving your craft. So mm. um, writing groups are amazing. And I got to work with uh, a local award-winning author, Daniel Wood, uh, who's fantastic. Uh, and I learned a lot from her. So, but before I started this series, like obviously I read um, goodly chunks of lit RPG myself, but I come, I came to it more through the serialization space, which is those online stories. Mm. Um, and um, there's no gatekeeping there. It's, it's incredibly open, which is fantastic for opportunities. Um, but it also means um, there's sort of no quality threshold. And that's great for a lot of things because it's a great, space for hobby writers who are never trying to uh, get uh, a career out of it. They just, you know, want to write the stories and put, um, put them out there for people. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but uh, yeah, going into that space, I um, sort of worked on this story beforehand, like the world building and the system and all that sort of thing. Um, sort of came first before I ever started knocking out chapters. Also, um, there is a first version of, um, of volume one, which is like the first three books. It's mm -hmm. really short. It is breathtakingly terrible, <laughs> like just aggressively, aggressively bad. Cause at that point I'd never completed a long form story. So, um, I was kind of obsessed with finishing. So, um, I finished what eventually became, I think, 257 chapters in 66 chapters. Um, and that uh, short changes everything from story to plot to character. And um, the whole thing just screamed desperate to get to the end. <laughs> um, so, so once I was finished, that went right out the window and I rewrote mm. the whole thing from scratch. And that's kind of did, where... Did you publish it? No, 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 that, no. That one's that one's staying in the drawer. <laughs> so you got to do a rough pass in the official, like, well, uh, first pass on it, and then you realize that I mean, really, given it the time, given it the attention to allow for character development, plot development, power development, progression systems, things like that, seems like it takes because I mean, it is a well rounded and there's a lot of nuances. And what I'm really trying to understand is like when you do this world building, when you do these kind of creations of this, you know, the book one, two, three, and all that stuff, how do you actually world build? Is that, are you drawing on like napkins? Do you have whiteboards? How do you, cause it's a, it's a, it's a hard magic system. And like, can you talk to me just a little bit about how you actually build these worlds? Okay. So the magic system um, is probably the oldest part of the story. Mm -hmm. um, cause with lead RPG, uh, especially because that is where not only are you doing a hard magic system, generally, you also have to show your work like it's a math assignment. 
in fact some of them kind of read like a math assignment but um it means that if you make slip ups continuity errors people are going to notice and they are going to call you on it um so the system for me uh sort of came first mine's not number heavy mm -hmm. it's more concept heavy but um i started off with a very very sort of different system and refined it because this is something i um i've wanted to do just knocking around the back of my head for a lot of years so while i was in university i just sort of if i was going to do this what kind of system would i do and and i just refined it and refined it and refined it and uh -huh. um i i had a system that i really loved um and you know when i sat down and started looking at how it works narratively i realized it was completely and utterly unworkable um, because i'd built this huge huge like complicated intricate heavily synergized system uh where the first book would have no plot development because it would be all explaining how the the, the whole thing works mm. and that's when i had sort of my big revelation which is like when you're making a lit rpg you're not making a game like your system isn't um something you're meant to build a game off of it's a narrative tool that feels like a game um so and that's when i started like simplifying and and paring it down and getting to um the the point where the system served the story instead of building a story to serve the system mm. um but how that sort of relates to world building is once i sort of had my system in place then it just becomes about questions so you, you take a world and you go okay well this thing is true about my magic system what does that mean and that's how i essentially did all my world bidding i just go through and what are the ramifications of this what are the ramifications of this and um it just co uh, keeps having knock-on effects uh, as you keep answering questions until suddenly you've got a world that feels uh, that feels well hopefully um you know, sort of rich and integrated and cohesive yeah yours definitely does i mean and also the 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 progression systems the way that um people gain their powers i'm gonna do my absolute best to have no spoilers this entire conversation um and i will and if i if i if i feel one coming out i will i will scream it out uh as, as fast as possible and have everybody do uh you know earmuffs to cover it mm -hmm. up but the the will the way that people gain their powers and the way that they're unique to themselves and the way that they kind of choose their own path like a choose your own power system and the way that it progresses and it has a tiered progression system it feels very robust very natural and all that but also tracking of that system so again going back to it you said you refined it you refined it you refined it um into something that is a narrative tool and not a game mechanic and being someone who is a i, I build games and that's what I do. Um, I understand that the complexities of those things happen and the fact that people love to hack the system. As soon as you yeah. try to build something, people go, ah, but what if I did this, this, and this? And they immediately try to break your system in half, um, which the more details you give them, the more pieces they, they can grab onto. And yeah. so um, with you, how did you, again, not get not have someone call yeah. you on uh, yeah, fudging the math homework that you're turning in? Yeah. Like, do you draw boxes inside things to map these things out? When you say refining the system, what does that actually look like for you? Um, I I use Word. Like I'm not a big spreadsheet guy, so I've got 
piles and piles and piles of, um, you know, just documents of, you know, this is what this does. This is what this does. It's, it's mm. not, um, it's not super efficient, um, but it's quite comprehensive. <laughs> cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, eventually because yeah, th those questions you talk about, people are going, what about this and this and this? Um, yeah, people love doing that with my story modeling. Yeah, it's a it's a huge part of um, my Discord community. Yeah, uh, they build up around people going, okay, what if you have this power and this power and this power and um, yeah. yeah, but. Yeah, for me, it's just piles and piles of documents. Got it. So then you have your own kind of almanac of how your own your own Dungeons and Dragons guide, kind of, or He Who Fights Monsters guide. Um, yeah, that that makes sense. And it's it's very curious because, like, in my own mind, people that are able to this narrative world that you crafted is so thoughtful. There's so much to it and so much complexity. I think people want to call it out because it now feels like it's a part of their world. There's something where you tell such a good narrative story that people like it, it becomes tangible and real to them. It no longer becomes words on a page. It becomes a living, breathing thing where you start to relate to these characters. You start to find, you start to find these types of connections with these characters where you almost feel for them and you feel for moments in time that they have. Uh, Jason, the main character of the story, for people that don't know, uh, I find to be very likable and very relatable for a variety of reasons. Um, but I'd love to know, like, how do you go to, like, what is your process for, like, making those characters and, and like, say, Jason, and how much of him is you versus other <laughs> characteristics? Like, I'm very curious to understand that. Um. Yeah, so when I'm doing like character outlines, mm -hmm. um, what I tend to start with is um, where does the character come from and what do they want? And sort of everything just sort of grows out from there. Um, mm. And, you know, this isn't lit RPG specific, obviously, like, you know, every um, author wants to you know, have people connect with their characters, well, unless they're really, really horrifying characters but um yeah and the, that that's just sort of where i start like I, I get asked how much of um me is in jason or jason is in me um quite a lot and uh in a lot of ways jason's starting point is sort of me um like 15 years ago you know there's um a lot of uh, naivety there like a lot of um, sort of political passion, mm -hmm. um, but in a very sort of untested principle kind of way. Because uh, that's sort of um, this is something I wanted to explore a lot, which is the idea of um, he comes from a, you know, safe, happy, you know, uh, relatively affluent um, mm -hmm. background. So um, he has a lot of sort of, liberal principles um but he's never been sort of forced to stand up for them or you know try and protect them so mm -hmm. he gets put into situations where now that he does uh and you know how well do those principles hold up how well does his you know uh moral stance um manage to endure what he goes through yeah and there's something to the character of this um, defiant nature uh, when he shouldn't be, 
and while also cracking jokes along the way. And even though there's some of the jokes I get and I relate being a, a millennial child of the 80s kind of mm -hmm. thing, uh, and there, but there's also some I don't because I'm not uh, region specific to you. So there's some, so there's some, some crossover. But he, there's a, uh, you're talking about who he is and what he wants, but there's also this this balance in the characteristics of having this incredibly willful and dominable spirit, and there's cockiness and also loving of barbecues and this kind of dynamic mixture of character, which is a really weird eclectic thing to kind of bundle together that makes him a very uh, well-rounded character. Can you talk to me a little bit about the formation of that? And like, is it necessary for him to have those traits to to really be that the, that the the hero of the story? Or I think it is um, a lot of those elements. The you know um, the the loving airwolf and the you know the barbecues and the um, and the being inappropriate. <laughs> um in in various situations that anti-authoritarianism yeah though a lot of those are the aspects that sort of come from just me and sort of a general australian um attitude mm -hmm. um because mm. there, there's um because I, I i come from convict stock so there's that sort of um strong you know screw the british kind of um old school ned kelly kind of feel um uh, to you know how i grew up and uh, a lot of the sensibilities i came up with but um and i think that is important for jason as a character mm. um like and, and a lot of it is um just pure defense mechanism like you know it's it's he, he gets thrown into another world and he feels completely lost so um it's uh, one one of the ways he protects himself is just by trying to make everyone else feel as confused as he is you know even if that's trying to explain the karate kid to a wizard um you know with with no context whatsoever just so they're looking at him with no idea what's going on and and that's an important part of who he is and how he operates does that ever Does blend that into, into real life, real life? Where, yes. where okay okay well, you know, I, I've never explained the Karate Kid to a wizard, but um, I have tried to explain RPG, a lit RPG to my Aunt Helen, which feels about the same. Could you could just you real quick, for people, people that people that don't, don't actually understand it. lit RPG, could you explain a little bit about it, the genre? No um, worries. Yeah. So lit RPG is um, sort of a, a, a hybrid genre because it can fall within um, different genres it's usually mm -hmm. fantasy but it can be you know science fiction steampunk whatever um where video game elements are explicitly placed into a game now there's a couple of terms there there's game lit which is sort of video game elements um within the game uh, within the story which may um be uh even uh visible to the reader or not Mm -hmm. um so like you're ready player one uh, that sort of thing whereas yeah. lit rpg um is uh, a bit more specific it works off generally progression fantasy except the progression is what you'd see in a video game you know there are levels there are stats and you actually get to see those as a reader on the page or read out in an audiobook 
yeah it's and, um yeah so you you usually gain levels or skills or whatever most of them have levels my particular system doesn't it has um uh, effectively skill progression but but there's there's explicit um hard um video game elements like literal screens popping up in front of people and leveling up and all that sort of thing from video games it just feels a lot like if i don't know why but i just I, it's almost like i'm having this own personal experience of watching some person go through the most epic vr twitch of all time and you get to hear about his journeys and his missions and things like that as we go through and learn it there's something that's very very desirable that's more desirable than a normal fan fantasy fiction novel uh, as a literal rpg where you can actually you're hearing this game-like experience of the window screens popping up and reaching into their inventory and then collecting jewels and points along the way and they have a, a looting skills and abilities and there's all this stuff in it that that makes you feel like you're 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 in the most epic um you know D, D style experience that's gamified and and you know you can and it's and it's so well built out that like it it just if i don't know it just feels very much more immersive um, and, and, and it's, yeah. And then, and then it's also, there's so much, there's so many life human elements that you have on it, right. From like the social layer to like the spiritual layer to like the game layer, it all kind of integrates to itself. Um, yeah, well it hybridizes, you know, what everyone gets out of reading a book mm -hmm. with what people, um, can get out of a let's play, for example. So a what um, play? A let's play, you know, What's the. It? You know, like a Twitch streamer or whatever. People just oh, watch yeah. stream yeah. up. Um, yeah. Just, just go through a game. Um, and then you just take in all the things that make books amazing and you put them together. And so you get that sort of much more rich, you know, personal experience. So it's like um, the enjoy you get for watching someone go through a game. But then, you know, the stakes are higher. The, the insight is greater. You've... Um, you know, you have characters to, you know, cheer and, um, uh, and hate. <laughs> the, the, there's a, there's both sides, right? You, you find, you, you create very likable characters, but also ones that you hate, which are, um, there's certain characters that come in and out of the game and they, uh, in the game, <laughs> in the book. Wow. And so, uh, but you're going in and out of that. But if you, if you look at those things, yeah, you, you have both sides. You have very likable main characters and there always seems to be this still of, very powerful assholes in your books yeah. right there's people that are progressively more intense but also more heartless and but one of the characteristics that jason has is he humanizes everybody and everything and everyone and makes everybody equal which is a very unique um thing but i also think very very powerful can you speak a little bit to that like what makes characters good versus evil and things that you try to do that make people likable or not likable in terms of developing uh, a world building experience I mean, Jason himself is um, far from a perfect character. He has a lot of flaws, and um, and there are a lot of people who get turned off uh, the series by the main character, like on Royal Road. Um, I don't have a lot of middle-of-the-road reviews. There's, like, lots of, I love the balls off of this, and then there's lots of, I hate this guy so much. This is the thing. <laughs> Okay. Um, which uh, I personally find great. I'd rather have people be passionate one way or the other than like, eh, it's fine. Um, but 
And and I think that is about just uh, making choice of the character. So if I want, you know, um, you know, someone to be evil, it's about um, finding what makes them terrible and why, you know, that works. Like um, a lot of my sort of earlier antagonistic characters are like Jason, um, not great at what they do. Like, um they're they're driven by you know really unsavory um mm. appetites or desires uh and you know they're not especially terrific at um sort of managing themselves and that's just part of their character like if if someone is uh working with a mindset that it's that's quite depraved they don't tend to be ideal at operating in society at large yeah, and, um, and and that's why it, it comes back to what I was saying earlier about you know finding where they're from and and finding what they want and then just expanding everything from there. Yeah, yeah. The, the social dynamics that you build into your game is fantastic. Your game, I keep saying a game. <laughs> it's is it's it's going to be stuck in my head this way. But the uh, but the social dynamics that you build in there, the the building of the characters. Uh, uh, the Gellers and the different types of social political moves, right? The um, looking at the way that there's a, the relationship that bonds these characters that kind of form their parties and they, they get together. There's a lot of very well-made, socially informed kind of decisions where you can tell that there's different characters at different social um, levels. And, and I find it amazing just your ability to be able to kind of craft those narratives around each of these different characters and think through the plot points of what drives them, what engages them, um, you know, what characters like, uh, you know, what would what would cause uh, Rufus Remore to reach the pinnacle of, uh, you know, being driven for certain causes. Again, trying to avoid any spoiler alerts along this along this path here. But there's certain things that you do of being able to, to create those systems. And I think uh, do you have the do you have things written up in terms of the principles of what the characters stand for or things like that? Because I, I noticed that like there's certain like like Jason has certain rules that he lives by and he has certain principles that he stands by and these things come to face him. They right they come to test him again and again and then you kind of uncover these um, uh, the the way that they operate in in their in the reality along the path. Like I'm just curious, like how you track that, how you do that again. Is it, it's just more of the world building process? I'm 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 fascinated by. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just um, you know some basic character outlines. Like I say, I, I start with that core concept, mm -hmm. and then as I develop the characters, mm -hmm. uh, it's it, and it is much the same way um, uh, I work with world building, which is I just start take my start point, and then I start asking questions. So, um, you know, I just look at um, what a character wants and you know, where they're from and then start asking, you know, okay, well, how are they going to get that? What have they done to get there? How far are they willing to compromise to, to get that thing? And, and questions lead to questions and lead to questions. And, and you ask enough questions and that leads to story. And, um, and it just uh, sort of expand, uh, expands out um, uh, naturally okay. until everything just sort of fits together. Yeah, uh, you, 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 uh, it's so funny because you, you, 
the your writing's so good and you make it sound so simple. You just ask questions and the story yeah. reveals itself. Bop, bop. Uh, yeah. it was just which is really funny to me because I'm trying to understand it because being someone who has to narratively build these experiences in games, it's it's fun for me to wrap my head around. Um, one thing that I'm impressed by what you do is your ability to continuously put out content on the Royal Road and your ability <laughs> to continuously like it's so amazing. It's one of the things that like I forget about for a little bit of time and then I look back, I'm like, oh wow, four more chapters. That's crazy. And then like and, and how do you like not build yourself into a corner as you're as you're writing because usually you put a whole book together and then you look at the book and you're like oh whoops can't do that and you kind of go backwards and forth so like as you're constantly putting out this content how do you continue to make more content like linearly going through the experience without actually getting trapped along the way um outlining matters um i'm every every author uh, approaches outlining uh, in sort of a spectrum from they sit down with no idea what they're about to write to mm. by the time they actually sit down to write they've probably got um you know at least a solid third of, of the stuff out there just because of how rigidly they've planned everything out mm. um I, I i fall i think closer to the work as i go kind of end of the spectrum but um outlining is also really critical because uh, I like to give myself the flexibility to move around and you know have an idea and explore this sort of concept and that's where doing the world building first really really helps because when you're coming across to something it's like oh there's a thing from my world building that would be really great to explore right at this moment oh. um, so you know it's it's about knowing the stuff is there so that you know, when you bump into it, you can sort of explore that rather than inventing um, your, your world as you go. But um, I think of it like a roadmap. Like I, I'm on a path and I can wander off the path to just explore what's around. But as long as I have my roadmap, I can get back on the road and, and head back in the direction I'm going because mm -hmm. it's going to be probably a 12-book series uh, unless something goes... Um, wobbly and i have it plotted out all the way through but wow. that's like yeah but that's also you know in fairly broad strokes because i do like to give myself that flexibility to move around and to um you know change my plans wow, wow. so looking at that when you're talking about a 12 book series and right now you're at uh, book three about to release book four but I'm actually just coming to the end of where I'm actually writing is the end of book eight. So, oh yeah, because because the online the Royal Road you have book eight. Well, you have all the mm -hmm. chapters laid out. They're not necessarily sliced up. They're just a bunch of chapters yeah. shoved together online, which is a fantastic thing. I, uh, it's funny. Like, um, there was a you know what happens is I think when you you find like the easiest form of the content and then you fall in love with the content and then you'll switch to more difficult forms of content along the way. So I'm yeah. a, I'm a big anime fan. So way back in the day, I watched all the tsunami, like, like a uh, Naruto style things. And then that mm -hmm. ran out. So then I got into like the, the Japanese version without the English dubs. And then that ran out. So then I got into like the online mangas and, and mm -hmm. just, you know, you start to go through that. And what happened with your books is I did the audible. I went through the audibles all the way in. And then I told my friend about it and he, He's like, oh, by the way, if you go to Royal Road, you can actually read all of his, all of his stuff. I hate to read. I love to listen. I hate to read. 
and I'm like, you can't make me do it, man. So I got a little trick for myself and I don't know if anybody else does this, but I'll share it with you with one of the things I do is uh, with the Royal Road, I can, I can copy it and I can drop it into a thing called Speechify. It's an app <laughs> and I just have it read to me. So I have all of your chapters like that. And I'm just like listening to it as a, as a robot reads it to me. Um, because I just refuse, I refuse to read words in a page. You can't make me read, but it's an amazing, it's an amazing series even going into that. But that's why like, I was even going through the, the online. Cause I'm up to date on, was it like 550, was it 556 or something like that? What's your, what, what's oh, it? So, something like that. Cause the, yeah. the Patreon's like 20 chapters ahead. So, oh, is it? Okay. So I'm going to go sign up for the Patreon <laughs> so I can get 20, 20 chapters ahead of this one and just go all the way through it. Um, but I use the Speechify app, so it gets read to me. It's not as good because I'll toggle between that and the Audible ones, and I'll go and be. Heath does a fantastic job. It's great. It's fantastic. It's, I can feel the characters. It's very, uh, it's uh, it, it, it it's a it's a good combination. When you find a really good writer and a really good narrator, it's 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 a it's a wonderful match. So I highly encourage it. It's just that you ran out of road, man. So I had to like <laughs> I had to get my fix somehow, and I was I hit the thing. I was like, well, I'm not gonna read this. I guess I'm just gonna use this. Other. <laughs> well, I, I, I can tell Heathy, you know, um, that that you're wanting to record faster, but I think you might throw something at me. <laughs> it was pretty quick though, because you just recently, fairly recently, didn't you? Uh, uh, book three was that? How long ago was that that you released uh, that? September. Yeah, book one was uh, March. So, yeah. um, so this so book four will be the fourth one for the year. Wow, see that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I a little over nine months. Yeah, because what happened was I was on vacation right before September hit, and I and I ate book one, book two, and then and then I thought, ooh, September this comes down. I went and I ate that up, and I was like, oh, I'm all out of content. And I went on the thing, so uh, I will absolutely get the next book as it as it gets released. I was just like, how do you not get tied? How do you not tie yourself down and get into a a, a cul-de-sac of your own mental landscape? And it sounds like. So you have an outline of where you want to go all the way up to book 12. At the same time, you have the yeah. magic system and all the other systems in some sort of giant wizard-like compendium uh, bound yeah. together with human skin. And that thing's <laughs> off to the side. And you have both of the things you're looking at. Okay, okay, that's my outline of where I'm going, yeah. right? You're like, this is my outline where I'm going. And then you go, okay, this is, this is my rules of the road. And then it kind of allows you to kind of weave through there. And so you can continue to build out the world and continue to, to, to lay the details to the outline. Is that kind of how it goes? Yeah, so having my system all sorted out and having my sort of outline so I know where I'm going, mm -hmm. those are sort of the, the key things that let me produce um, five chapters a week. Mm. Um, because um, it takes off a lot of the, the narrative load and lets me just, okay, now it's time to sit down and write the thing that comes next, not sit down and think, okay, what comes next and how is that going to work? <laughs> <laughs> um it sort of uh it, it lets me have i guess sort of a purely you know narrative experience writing and it um makes it a really good job that's it's it's amazing to hear the process because because i can see the output or at least i can hear the output and and uh it's 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 really an, uh an enjoyable experience do you is there any other like uh, do you have plans to write another story besides he fights with monsters? Are there other ones that you have in the back burner that you go, oh, I can't. Oh, like yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I spent a lot of time like setting up my world building and all that stuff before I ever, and even doing that, um, that sort of, uh, first draft that shall forever remain 
locked away in the drawer. Um, uh, come on. I ever sat down and, uh, and wrote this. And so now I'm sort of starting that process again. I've got four more books in um, Here Fights with Monsters once I've polished off book eight. And uh, so I'm now sort of working on starting all of this process over again for what comes next. Mm. And, um, uh, and I'm basically working on two things at once. I haven't decided which one I'm going to go with um, uh, yet, but because uh, I really love both ideas. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll probably just do a one-shot um, story, just sort of as a palette cleanser, just like a one book. I don't know, maybe superheroes or something. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and then I'll sort of launch myself into another series. Got it. Oh yeah, yeah. a little a little ginger palate cleanser to kind of get ready for the the next phase. That makes sense. It's funny because these the when you craft these narrative worlds and they're so depth is so rich, you you want to consume at least as a it's a as a reader consumer, you want to consume more and more of it. So, but for you, you feel maybe a bit tied down, a bit like I feel like okay, I don't want to have to write twelve books and a thousand you know about 900 chapters to get through the whole thing um you kind of want to be able to kind of boom get something done and kind of get in that does that help you with your creative inspiration or how do you get inspired are there other authors that you look up to how does that whole uh, inspiration piece for you work um yeah so um i tend to obsess on one thing at a time um which helps doing this kind of thing. Like when I get into something, uh, anything at all, like uh, board games, if you look behind me, that's, you know, just all board games. Uh, wow. When I get into a thing, I, I, I go all in. Um, so I think the, the key for me was finding something that I was really excited to write, something that, you know, uh, had the depth that I could just dig in and just keep going and going and going. Mm. And, and then just completely go all in um, because that's sort of me in my element. I, I know there are a lot of writers who sort of work in my field, lit RPG, serialization or not, who will um, be working on multiple stories at a time. Um, yeah, that's that's not me at all. Um, in terms of inspiration, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, it, it's lots of different little aspects like... Uh, dialogue is a very heavy part of my writing style. And a lot of that comes less from books than, say, television, where dialogue is king. So um, that sort of, you know, rapid fire, Aaron Sorkin, Joss Whedon, banter. Um, I think the, the inspirations there should be fairly clear in the way I write. The, the banter is so fun. The pop cultural references, the chucking things back and forth, the play on words. It feels very friendly and it feels very down. It feels like you want to go get a drink with the characters as they all hang out, you know, like in some post battle bar or, so, you know, place where you could all hang out together and have drinks. There's, there's something to the banter that feels very relatable, um, even though uh, a lot of the characters don't because they're from other worlds, don't actually understand what the hell the main character is talking about yeah. half the time there's like this inside joke where i feel like i'm on the inside because i know some of these pop cultural yeah. night writery references as you yeah. go through everything um is that intentional that 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 thing that yeah that, yeah it's, it's absolutely intentional um 
plus you know it's um uh, it, it, it it's, it's always fun if someone go jim carter i've heard of that that's terrible <laughs> like, um, but you know sometimes they get very obscure um you know like uh, I, I wrote a chapter um the other day where um uh, they're talking about the Wikipedia page for Ray Fines. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know that one, man. You know the actor Ray Fines. Ray Fines, look him up. I'm gonna look he him up. Voldemort. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but what a, um, what a random character. Yeah, but um, but actually. That downtime, um, I've, I've talked about this a lot with other authors who work in serialization, the, the sort of producing all this content online at a rapid pace. Mm -hmm. And the, that sort of downtime is kind of like the secret sauce um, for this kind of writing. Oh, like, um, for me, that downtime, like characters hanging out, just having fun, uh, even if it's just like, um them talking while they're on the way to fight the giant evil thing um is more the heart and soul of the story for me uh -huh. than actually seeing them fight the giant evil thing I, I i completely agree and as you say it like i as much as i love hearing about there's something about the progression of like wow he got a new power oh he evolved to this thing oh wow new racial ability or whatever insert thing thing which is very cool I don't know why it's cool because I know yeah. they're just words. You're just making yeah. up points and chucking points at things, and I go, "Oh, more points." I don't know yeah. why. Like I still it, like it, that it, it third fun. grade gold star. Yeah, but but the but that that bantery shit talky like poking people, having them poke you back, uh, pulling out a plate of biscuits. You <laughs> yeah. know, there's, there's this combination of like that makes you uh, find. Is do you, is there an importance like because you play around place around like barbecues and inviting <laughs> friends to Barbies. And then yeah. all these like people just getting these like, hey guys, let's just have a good time. Like, there's, there, is it because you just because you love barbecues, or is there is it you understand that that is really the 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 time that you really connect with the the characters and the development stuff? And that's what it is. I mean, because <laughs> these stories are very much escapist stories. Mm -hmm. So um, it's actually very important for me, sort of thematically, that. Um, it does feel like fun and joyous a lot of the time. Like, um, but also, um, there's also the fact that you can take that away. Like in my, um, in sort of, especially around the sort of book five, six area, mm -hmm. uh, which will be coming out next year. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, I, I don't want to go into spoilers here, but um it's okay it's totally fine no one's listening you'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> but um things you know become a bit more sort of emotionally stark um yeah. you know the, you know the, the, there's more of a feeling of you know isolation and 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 those things that um have been you know solidifying that you know the fun thing so um their absence um takes a very sort of visible toll mm -hmm. um so um and, and where and where i'm at writing now is sort of bringing that stuff back in so um kind of like yeah, how stella got a groove back kind of thing yeah yeah, that's, yeah. 
very much like that. you have what you're talking about is there's this almost this like uh cycle of you're talking about joy and then struggles and then acceptance and triumph it's got very much this hero's journey narrative of people Mm. going almost being broken into pieces and then reforming and coming back whole or coming back better and gaining powers but then also you have that emotional toil that happens Mm. as they go through and they try these things and you're like oh by the way they're not just a player in the game like Mm. there is some psychological damage that has happened as they've been basically putting through the ringer and yeah, yeah, they may have come out stronger, but they also come out more fragile or they come mm-hmm. out more um, uh, uh, sensitive. And there, there there needs to be this reintegration period of not only is that struggle, but then there's that that breath of fresh air when there is a re- reuniting, um, when there is a um, uh, uh, the, the joyous period. So it seems like are you because that's is there a part of the hero's journey kind of philosophy written into that? Or how is that? How does your how do you look at character arcs and progressions? Is are you following those types of paths, or what does it look like? For yeah, you? yeah, it is. It is sort of very much because it's a it's a long series. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like I I could write just a whole lot of stuff where you know, um, it's all just fun and you know, bantery and fighting some monsters and you know, getting some extra hit points or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to write twelve books of that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, I I, I want to throw my character into some holes you know mm. i wanted to go through stuff i wanted to learn i wanted to regress um and you know and, and character growth is what um keeps me as a writer and hopefully the readers um engaged um throughout what is you know quite a lengthy series mm. do you i mean do you have an emotional connection to the the characters that you've made up and have written down are there like do you have i'm just curious with like the relationship because i feel by a listener listening to the book series i feel a relationship to each one of the characters that you have in there um where i almost feel like i know what they would say in this situation i know what they would do i feel like and you know oh would it be so funny to 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 put clive in this weird situation where you have to like you have to it's all carnal and physical and he's like what am i doing here kind of situation (laughs) what you know whatever but you can see how they would probably react do you feel a relationship with these characters, even though they've come from within, or how how is it for you being both the the uh, you know dungeon master in yeah. this narrative book series? Um, yeah, I mean, I think there has to be a, mm-hmm. an emotional connection there. Um, uh, I wrote a writer when I was in university. I mentioned working with a writer once. Something uh, she told me, I don't know where she got it from, but um, said that. Um, like if you can't make yourself cry while you're writing, you'll never make your reader cry. Oh wow! Um, huh. So you know that that yeah. uh, that emotional connection you know has to be real, like, um, and has to be affecting, or you're not going to have you know so the the kind of depth and connection um, that you for your readers if you can't uh, have it yourself. Hmm and um you know and even in a ridiculous story about you know magic powers and team knight rider um <laughs> there you know there still has to be uh a real core to each of the characters mm-hmm. or it's it's just fluff that's going to wash over if you know if you want there to be a connection there has to be 
um, you know, a realness in that. Yeah. It, it does. It there is a realness to it, and the, the the development of each of the characters and the struggles and the lessons that they're that they learn along the way. It's a, it, it's a very well run like the character development as new character members come on and they form the team, Team Biscuit or whatnot as they go yeah. through. Um, they, each one of them has their own developmental arcs, and they go through and they you know they they learn um, to open up in ways that maybe they haven't or accept certain things that they don't. It is, so I love the richness of the of the the character development and you I mean you're talking about if you can't make yourself cry while writing you'll never make your readers cry which i think is a really a really important thing for young writers or world builders to to note what that makes me think about is there anything any advice or guidance you would give to young narrative writers writing in the genre or other people trying to build worlds lessons learned if you could go back in time and and give it a, a young shirt alone um uh, uh advice or guidance on this what would that be um yeah there's a few things because uh, i do get because uh, when you work in a serialized space there's sort of an expectation of um, audience engagement and availability to the readership um, which is part of building a successful readership because uh, you know it's it's very different from approaching from different avenues of publishing where each one has its own sort of um, marketing tools and, and ways of building an audience and uh, in serialization it's it starts in comment sections and, and being in discord channels and being available to the author so uh, um, and I get lots of questions from people because as I've mentioned there's no sort of gatekeepers anyone can jump in uh, so this is a question that I actually get a lot, like to the point where um, I have a PDF somewhere. It's it's about sort of two pages long on um, uh, sort of uh, everything that I've learned about um, sort of launching a serialized story and finding success. Um, oh. And, you know, and I've learned a lot from other readers, uh, other authors who've done the same thing. But um, there's a few things like for Lit RPG specifically, I talked about how I've refined my system and it started off way too complicated. Um, making it as making things as simple as possible in terms of how your system works um, is important because you need to, you know, view it as I said, as a narrative tool. And um, so that it, it serves the story rather than the story serving it. Mm -hmm. um, because I think one of the pro uh, one of the, the mistakes a lot of people can make in um, approaching this sort of story is making it all about the system and not all about the characters. That is a, one thing I've noticed. It's a wonderfully well-built uh, environmentals, but the character development is very rich and it's very well thought out. And there's a lot of thoughts behind it. Like, and not only that what the characters are, but how the characters operate in this world. Like, what is a soul? What are the rules with interacting with souls? What is, you know, what is the, how do they, how does that relate to the person's principles and morals moving through the system? So, um, yeah, because one of the key things I want to do, because we we're talking about the ma the magic system, sort of building yeah. your own um, magic system uh, for, for each character. Mm -hmm. And um, my ultimate goal with the magic system, like the core thing I wanted was I wanted each character's powers to be a reflection of who, who they are. So my character Humphrey is uh, a very sort of um, rigid, straightforward, upstanding person. And all his powers are very, you know, straightforward as well. 
they're, they're, they're simple, they're plain, they're effective. Um, there's no hidden tricks there. Um, hmm. Whereas, you know, I've got a character, Belinda, who's a thief, where her abilities are, you know, tricky and versatile. Uh, and then you look at um, my protagonist, Jason, um, and he's got sort of the most complex interaction with his abilities mm-hmm. because they, they like, he, he's this guy coming in and he's, you know, trying to do his best to be a good guy, but all his powers are evil. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like four E's evil. <laughs> um, you know, it's like draining blood and darkness and sin and sort of exploring how his powers evolve as mm-hmm. we sort of dig into sort of the meaning of that um is um explicitly tied to his character development yeah which is also tied to the like how his um how he not only is his character but what you would say is almost you could almost personify his character as his soul and how Mm. his soul or his essence is reflected in a lot of the things that he does um and in a in a a non-spoil alerty kind of way there's a a lot of things that you talk about on how the character is affected by the powers and how the powers are affected by the characters and how that is reflected and seen in the ways that you there's a very transparency going on where you can actually look at it and go wow there's a lot of depth to him um and 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 there's like if you only knew the surface level things you'd think one thing but but it's kind of like peeling those things back you can see the depth of his character and the turmoil that he has um having to do these things while trying to keep these morals like that does the ends justify the means and there's all that kind of um i i think uh exploration going as as the character kind of discovers himself and what he stands for and what he will do and what he won't do and what he learns from the motions of time which i think is which i think is brilliant um question for you uh slightly a side note but mm-hmm. i just i am want to know shirtaloon how'd you get that where'd that come from like i don't i don't really know what to do I, when i say that i feel like I, i'm saying some sort of i i i always get this question and I'm, sorry man it, i'm just curious and, <laughs> yeah I I always get this question and it's not an exciting story. Okay. I mean it's just, it's just it's just an internet handle I used to use cuz um I, I I used to go use like pantalone cuz you know uh-huh. it's, it's just fun. Yeah. Um and, you know when I was like you know using it as a as a handle for games uh-huh. and whatnot. But I kept, you know, signing up to games and you know, I'd go okay pantalone. Well, that's taken. Crap. Oh, pantalone. And, you know, and if that was taken, which didn't happen often, but it did, then it's like cravat alone. It's like, and if that's taken, it's like, no, I'm, that's it. I'm not playing this game. <laughs> but, um, but it just like, I, I kept sort of going to that second one so much that um, mm. it, it ended up just being what I used all the time. And then, you know, when it came to release a story, when you're doing serialization, um, almost everyone uses... Um, a handle in the sort of Royal Road space rather than an actual one. And, and I like that because um, it does tell you something about the tone of the story. Because um, the, 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 the title is a Nietzsche quote, which is mm-hmm. like super serious. So ha- having the, the author name being uh, nice and silly, um, I think 
shows you the juxtaposition of the, the tone. Because I mean, one of the big things that I do with uh, my writing style is I, I like to use that isekai, that sort of guy thrown into a fantasy world um, thing to play around with mm -hmm. tone and clash tone and culture. Because one of my sort of central ideas, like very, very early in the process, mm -hmm. was that idea of, you know, what happens when an Australian Yobbo meets Gandalf? <laughs> and um, and, and that is a sort of a tone. I Obviously, I didn't use Gandalf and my character isn't really a Yobbo, but, um, but that is what I wanted to explore. Uh-huh. That was one of my sort of very early starting points. It adds a lot of flavor to the character, him to have these powers and these capabilities along with this kind of quirkiness of like, and also it's not only just true quirkiness, it's, it's this combination of false bravado and things that he throws out there as mm. well being well over his head in so many situations and then walking away going, oh, I made that one. Wow. <laughs> and like, there's this combination of that, but, but like, then he, but so you can, you can kind of see that there's, there's a, a crack in the veneer, which makes him more human of an experience. And you, and you really feel for him and you feel for the losses and you feel for the wins and you feel for him trying to put a front on and then, and then the, the shit talking amongst his crew of people. And they just kind of like, they embrace him for who he is. And there's a lot of embracing of the characters and embracing of the things. And they are very dynamic, like um, Belinda and like the the depth of her character is a very weird character type. And I'm like, I'm like, how did you get all these power sets? And how did you work <laughs> these things together? And how to like, this would be like the worst person to try to like pin down because yeah. of like, and so I just, I think it's very interesting how you have, um, this super serious you're right he who fights with monsters and conquer the world kind of thing with um the, the just the sheer shit talking um is is there anything like with everything that you built and everything you're doing with this and you're talking about this 12 book series and then somehow this marketable skill of becoming a uh internet uh writer uh which is to me does not do justice of the what you create um, but from making all this, is there like a holy grail for you? Is there like an end game? Is there something that after doing all of this writing and all of this obsession and all of this, these late nights, uh, sleeping in a hammock while you, as you knock down hours and hours of the written word, is there an end goal for you or some sort of holy grail you're hoping to achieve with all this, uh, world building? Um, not really. Cause just, um, becoming a full-time writer was essentially the end goal and it happened startlingly quick, quickly once you know i actually sort of well i mean it, it's that thing where you know you you come out of nowhere after working very very hard you know invisibly for a few years because i was working on this story for about two years before i ever started releasing it oh wow um so that's you know between that that first draft and, and doing all the world building like i you know it was you know it started off sort of playing around while i was in university and then after i came out of university i just sat down and went right i'm doing this thing and um that was all very um intense um but once i actually got there like the the success i had was startlingly quick 
and and like like any um, success, there there's a huge luck component involved. Um, so, uh, for example, like I got um, a major reviewer on Royal Road, who's like well known for telling stories. Uh, for, for reviewing stories, um, gave my story a positive review, and that sort of sit, that sat there at the top of the re review ranking charts. Mm. So it's so my story was effectively sitting at the top of one of the the charts on the front page, which pulls in huge amounts of readers, um, even though it wasn't me that got to the top of that list. But that sort of level of prominence brought me in new readers, and then it sort of ballooned from there. So I got quite lucky in the speed with which it happened, but um but actually getting here is uh, kind of my end game i'm you know uh, doing something that i absolutely love the balls off for a living and um and if you can't look at that and go that's that's a win then what the hell are you doing with your life <laughs> um, it, might, yeah. it might just be the american in me that's like come on don't you want more don't you want to conquer the planet no like it's it's, it's <laughs> There's a, I mean, but, so you've made it. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy to, you know, explore new projects and go in new directions and, you know, exercise new creative muscles. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I'm, from my perspective, I'm kind of sitting on the mountaintop. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great series, and it's one of those things that, like, um, you know, I look and I go, wow. Like knowing that I'm like, how much did this dude have to write to make this book this good? That's really what I look at it. I go, there's like, there's, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of, uh, to me, when I see it, I realize that the work that went into before making this because people look and go, Oh, overnight success. And you're like, well, years and years and years of writing and then flip a switch and yes. Uh, and yeah, so I, I wasn't even working um, before this came out. So, so I'm here in Australia and, um, uh, and I was actually uh, unemployed as I was sort of full-time getting ready to, to start this off. So I was mm. terrified that this wouldn't work out at all. <laughs> like I was uh, absolutely terrified. Do and, you have a specific uh, memory when you when you, when you thought that oh, you might be in over your head? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Because when I'm, you know, talking to like the job network agency and it's like, yes, we know, you know, you're writing your book. That's all very adorable. We need you to get a menial job, please. <laughs> Um, fortunately, there's um, there's more of a social safety net for unemployment here in Australia than the US. Mm. Um, so one of the things you can actually do is, you know, you can be unemployed and take the time to sort of um, properly build something up. Like you can, like you can use that safety net to take the time to build a business or whatever you happen to do. In my case, it was writing a book. I mean, it's not. It, it's like just enough to live on like my friends and family really helped me out there so much um That's so but cool. but uh and the, and this you know that increasing push to go ahead and get a job so i ended up uh going on this job interview for a call center oh. um at like an inbound call center for a power company i think it was um and this was two days uh, sorry no it was it was just uh, just a few days it was a week before my patreon was about to launch uh, which was how i first started making money at this so um i ended up having to go to this job interview um a few days before 
um, I find out if I'm any of this is going to work. So I'm anxious that like, okay, is this going to work? If I just spent like the last, you know, year and a half, two years working towards this only to have it like flop massively. So I'm terrified at this stage. And I ended up having to go to this job interview because it's like, if, you know, you get a job interview and, um, and they say no, and, and you just say, no, I'm not going to that. You know, they cut off your benefits. So, you know, all of a sudden, I can't make rent or eat food, uh, which is bad. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I go to this uh, interview for this job. I don't particularly, because if I get this job, then I have to stop writing. I won't have time to, you know, produce five chapters a week. Um, right, right as my Patreon launches and, you know, the whole thing collapses in a heap. Um, but I don't like when it came time where I have to accept this job, um, I, uh, I wouldn't know if it was going to work out or not. So I totally phoned in this interview. It was like a group interview and an extended thing with, you know, one-on-one -on -one stuff as well. And I just completely phoned it in. I was like, you know, super chill, just talking about whatever the whole time. And they loved it. <laughs> it turns out when you're not super nervous and invested about getting a thing and, and, and you come off more relaxed, you seem super confident. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he doesn't uh, even care yeah. so, so they they offered me this job um oh no and and his point is like okay to accept this job the thing because i would have had to quit this job like two days in if if this thing had uh, if the patron had taken off um but actually because my work history was sketchy my last reference fell through because they moved on without um Everything else, so I was like, oh, unfortunately, we're going to have to, um, you know, withdraw the job offer. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. But now I really, really, really need this um, writing thing to work. Because when I first started, I was like, uh, I set myself a couple of goals with, like, some extra work involved. So it's like, um, this will get me, like, halfway to completely off unemployment. And this will get me to fully off unemployment. I was like, and I set some goals. So I was like, hopefully within say two months, I'll be able to, you know, live off writing. Not super well, but I'll get there. Um, and, you know, that took a day and a half. <laughs> um, so all of a sudden, not only have, you know, I just had this whole thing. I mean, I was over the moon at that point. Like at that point, I'm like, is this really happening? Like, you know, that this seems you know, to be going too well. Where's the trap door I'm standing on? Um, but then, like, because I'd set that sort of extra work goals, all of a sudden, um, you know, I'm doing twice as much work um, in terms of just writing as I'd been previously to sort of catch up to the, the, the goals I'd set on top of all the things I was now learning that I would have to do that I didn't know about um, when I sort of transitioned into doing this. So, um, so there's the extra work that sort of soaked up time. Wow. Because uh, I, I talked about, you know, discords and comment sections mm. and uh, audience engagement is a huge uh, part of what I do. You have to build your community um, and uh, of loyal readers and my community is awesome. So you basically, um, so you, you went from going, oh my God, I might have to do this call center job. I yeah, don't know what's yeah. going on. I'm getting paid, um, you know, by the government just enough to live. 
yeah. um, because I have this passion thing and I have this crazy idea about a Kung Fu wizard yeah. and what's, and, and then maybe I can get some possible money in a couple of months and maybe it's gonna be just yeah. enough to, oh my God, everything's working. There's a lot of interest, yeah, yeah. everybody's engaged. Everybody wants to go, okay, now I gotta do this. Now I gotta do this work. Okay, now, and you kind of just get thrown on the stage with the curtains oh. pulled back and a bright yeah. light shined on you. And now you realize you gotta start tap dancing and you forgot your pants. Yeah, it's like yeah. all of a sudden I'm, you know, just pulling 18 hour work days. And yeah, um, yeah that, that first, that first sort of month after that happened is more or less a blur at this point. <laughs> um, is there uh, anything yeah. you want to see in terms of the mediums? Like, do you ever want to see who fights monsters in another medium? Is there anything like, like the anime or, or VR or TV or movies? Or is there anything that you'd like to see uh, he who fights monsters evolve into another medium? Uh, it could, I mean, it'd be super exciting to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Like I, there have been talks about things that I can't really talk about, but okay. um, uh, but you know it'd certainly be exciting. But for me, um, like I, I've talked to authors who seem to be um, like see actually writing their books as sort of a stepping stone to a television adaptation. Um, but while I'd love that, I think it'd be amazing. Um, I, I never was looking at this as anything, but, you know, I'd like to get my books out there because even just getting to the point of releasing these as books yeah. was, you know, part of a path. Cause I was, um, I was doing this full time when this was just me putting up stories on the internet, like with no books involved. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know just getting to that point is you, great it's so funny because so the what i'm hearing from you this this whole time is this is like you're super grateful because you know that like this is kind of a an end goal and you're living the end goal you've made it for in you know by your definition of things mm -hmm. and so everything else is just gravy you're just enjoying yeah. the ride and it's super awesome yeah, and whatever cool. happened is there any dragons is there any things that like you have to battle that you don't know if you can overcome like just the inherent laziness that we feel to get up and write another <laughs> chapter or like is there like what yeah. do you what do you like what do you battle or what do you feel like is is your greatest challenge that you you face uh nowadays um i think for a lot of writers possibly most writers um procrastination is um the greatest dragon to slay it's mm -hmm. it's so easy <laughs> to find reasons to not write mm -hmm. um and and that was like the big lesson that I had to learn before I could make any of this work. Because if you write when you feel like writing, mm. um, then you're never going to get anything written. Like not not on a level that you know you're actually producing the kind of output to make any kind of career. Like he asked so, earlier so about. I don't, I don't I don't mean to interrupt, but just to, just to dive into that. Like so, can you talk to me a little bit? How do you overcome that dragon of procrastination? <laughs> just so I can understand a little bit more. Uh, the curious and lazy minds want to know. Could you? Um, for me, the answer was scheduling. Like um, there, you you asked earlier about. Um, some of the things that help. Yeah. Um, uh, advice I'd give. I'd say the first thing is if you want to do this as a job, then you have to treat it like a job. And um, and that means getting up and going to work. Um, 
my work is very close to. <laughs> uh, but um, getting that output uh, done is about scheduling. So, and this is where releasing like online in serialized form really, really helps. It's like a huge driver that gets me to get up mm. and go to work. Like, because it's like, okay, so there is a chapter going out tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I need to have a chapter <laughs> tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. It has to be written, it has to no. be revised, it has to be edited, uh, has to be rewritten, has to be proofed. And, um, and sometimes that's rough. Like I, I, I have a certain chapter length, but if I do a really long chapter, that means that's more hours of work. If I um, have to rewrite that chapter three times, hypothetically, until I get it where I um, want it to go, uh, then, you know, I'm going to bed late. Uh, but... Um, Scheduling is great for a couple of reasons. One, it's incredible for community building. Like when you work in serialization and you're trying to build up an audience, uh, consistency is king. Yeah. If people know that they're going to be able to come every weekday at a certain time and there will be a chapter waiting for them, then they will be waiting for it. And that is uh, amazing for uh, building an audience because... Uh, like I said, there's no gatekeepers on this space. So everyone who has gotten into stories in sort of the Royal Road serialization thing has come across a story that they loved that vanished. Like halfway yeah. through, bang, gone, no explanation. That sucks. That sucks that. super hard. So um, if you can convince people that um, your content will be there when you say it's going to be there every single day, 100% reliable. Um, and you keep up the communication if you're doing things like taking a mental health week because you've been working 18 hour days for two months. Um, then um, that will build up confidence and that will build up readership, but it'll also help keep you on track. Yeah. Because like, it, it'll keep them coming, but it'll, you know, when you know, okay, I have to have this. Because if you, uh, a traditional author is like, okay, so I've got to have this book written in four months. Uh, I don't think four months is a very helpful deadline in terms of getting you off your butt because it's like, hey, I've got four months. It's like, well, my next chapter comes out in 16 hours. <laughs> that that, that <laughs> no. is a deadline that'll that'll get you in front of your uh, computer that's so true man those those flags that sound like that consistently like i put uh, i've been doing this podcast and i publish every monday and every friday every week for the last almost a year straight and then a little bit after that but that that knowing that i'm going to be doing that it like okay well i'm gonna do it i, I, I don't know how i feel today i'm gonna have to like get ready and get going today is technically thanksgiving by the way here in california in the u.s uh, mm -hmm. I, you're one of my favorite authors. So when he booked this day, I was just like, who the hell books on Thanksgiving? And I was like, and I looked, I was like, and I was like, is there Thanksgiving in Australia? And like, no, they don't celebrate. And I was like, I was like, man, I was like, damn. And I was like, you know what though? I gotta, I gotta get my publishing in. I want it. You're one of my favorite authors. So I was just like, I'm going to do this with you because I really appreciate it. And it, and it, and it does keep that can scheduling that consistency and that output. So 
Um, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to um, jump in on your turkey day. I, I'm like, come on, we had pilgrims. We came here. We celebrated. We had gratitude. We we said, hey, this is a nice land. We should we should we should use some of it. We're only going to take a little bit. We're really grateful though. that's how it went. That's exactly. That's exactly. Yeah, and, and Christopher Columbus was a great guy. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't 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 really read into the books. Just kind of look at the pictures. If you could just look at the pictures and not really read about the actual history, it'd be great. But uh, but again, that that consistent that posting and that putting that stuff out there is is a very valuable thing. But do you, sometimes you don't want to. And I, I do get what you're talking about that consistent posting. I just from my perspective, for you to kick out like chapters of reading material, it's one thing for me to have a, just a bantery conversation, you know, back and forth on interesting topics, but you actually, that's what I'm like, how do you not build yourself into a hole? You have like a late night drinking session and it's due. And is that like, how do you not wake up and be like, oh, wow. Okay. Now we have Griffins or whatever, <laughs> you know, as you, as you kick out the content. So I, I find it be very in, uh, inspirational on the, on the work that you do. Um, is there a, uh, is there, I mean, as we start to uh, come through to the end of here, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you tell them how to get a hold of you, how to, how to support your work, and what does that actually look like? Um, uh, no. See, th th this is the, the sort of traditional social media, you know, call to action-y part of the process where, um, uh, and, and I think everyone feels awkward about it. And going in because this is not um, generally where I sort of build up my audience. Like, there's there's some Facebooky stuff, um, you know. There's some groups I poke my head in from time to time, but I wasn't even on Facebook until this year. It's like you know, my publishers are like, okay, um, so Facebook, you have to be on Facebook now. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, <laughs> um, because uh, I, I came up from that serialized space, and you know. You know, there's, um, you know, the the lit RPG subreddit, and, mm -hmm. and there's these Discord communities, and and that's sort of where I sort of came from and where um, I think started off. So, um, so you know, I don't have a Twitter handle. I do have a Facebook that I uh, checked at some point. Um, <laughs> no, but mostly the Facebook. It. Because I'll, I'll just go through and I'll just accept all my friend requests and then people will send me messages and I'll have a chat with a reader and and that's you know pretty much what I use Facebook for. Um, well, communities form around the content that gets released, and yeah. so if all your if your everything got released into a private Facebook group, that's where your community would be. But it sounds like uh, Patreon and Discord is yeah, the places to to find yeah, you but, and find all your your uh, hours and hours and hours of content. Yeah, the the, the Discord um, really, because I'm, I'm always on that. Like, even if I'm just writing, um, I'm sort of just keeping an eye on that in the background, watching, you know, conversations around the story and the latest chapters, um, you know. Uh, fortunately, it doesn't take a lot of moderation. My community on Discord is actually really nice. Oh, that's on. Which, which is pleasant. Um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, so I engage with them a lot because there's lots of um, really sort of specific questions about the mm. system. It's like, you know, what do these three essences, you know, make and what does that mean? And so every now and again, you know, when I have a few, a spare hour or something, I'll sit down and I'll um, do like a really in-depth thing on some aspect of the world building that exists but never made it into the text because it wasn't relevant to the story. 
mm. and then I'll just you know drop that for um, the community to you know do what, with what they will. It's so cool that you actually engage with the community and all that, and be able to actually answer these burning questions because they're burning questions because they're like these ideas get into these readers' heads. Me being one, it's like like why like what is this about what is the cooking about what is this other thing about how does if you make the sin essence and you take it with the mighty what happens what happens <laughs> yeah. like i want to know this is get out of my head answer my questions you know that does happen which is which is amazing that you actually take the time to do that because it shows that you care and when people know that you care that the author cares not only about the book but actually about the readers then they feel more engaged they feel like it's more it's not gonna it's not gonna be a fly-by-night book series that's gonna disappear and then you know it's gonna be you know uh, the rug's gonna get pulled out from under them so i think it's really important what you do if people want to find your discord if people want to find your patreon how do they do that um the best place to go is um because the, the the patreon is just like the latest handful of chapters it's more or less um you know about a month worth of advanced chapters whereas there's hundreds and hundreds of stuff on say royal road mm -hmm. um and there are links right there on royal road like the the front page of the story has a discord link that'll take you straight there mm -hmm. um and there's a patreon button at like the bottom of every chapter so you know it's like i want to give you money there's a great big yellow button for giving you money. So, well, now that I now that I know that that's a, that's an option, I now know my next my next leap I'm going to be making. Um, the the audiobook series is great on Audible. I recommend it highly. Uh, it's a great uh, narrator author combo. Going in there, if not Royal Road. Uh, he who fights with monsters. You can go to Royal Road. Check that out. Once you get done consuming all of that, reading it or using the Speechify app, as I use to go through and reach it, because because I can't apparently I can't read words or choose not to. Uh, and that's a great one. But then when you hit that and you want more content, you can go and you can go on to Patreon, upgrade to that, pay Travis a couple of bucks so they can continue to dedicate those eighteen hour days. Uh, it's, and, it's not always that bad. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful taking, content, I'm man. I'm taking December off for a reason. Congratulations, brother. Well, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the work that you do, the world building that you've done. And, um, you know, let me know. Uh, you said the 28th is going to be when the book releases uh, yeah. for book four. So what I'll do is um, I'll schedule it, um, this this series, this actual podcast to get released right around that time frame. Um, oh. So when, when it goes out on there, uh, just to... Just to kind of seed it at the same time. Um, do you? And I don't know this. Do you have a title for that book yet? Is it out or no? It's no? just he who fights with monsters, book four. Okay. Okay. Cool. You know, as you can tell from that, I, I, I tend to make quite lengthy titles. So if it was like he who fights with monsters, you know, book four, and then the, the actual book titles that be, I'm going to end up with my cover art is just going to be one little person in the corner just <laughs> fighting against the wall of text. He who fights with words. Ah, get back. <laughs> cool, man. Well, Travis, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, uh, uh, thank you for continuing up on the work. And I will see you on the other side. Thanks, man. It was good talking with you again. Absolutely, brother. You too. Take care now. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.